Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to Tech Sisters Stories. Tech Sisters is a community that supports Muslim women in tech through storytelling and sisterhood. My name is Grace, and I get to interview the amazing women in our community, share their stories and the lessons they learned. I hope you enjoy the show. Gornish as our latest tech sister. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me and thank you for the wonderful introduction. Yeah, no worries. I love doing my research and uh, and gentle stalking, I call it. So very light, friendly stalking. <laughs> You've done a good job. Thank you. So how about we start at the very beginning? How did you get into all of this? Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, it was following my own struggles with specifically a woman's health, or hormonal health, and finally being diagnosed with endometriosis. So I struggled for, for many years with very painful periods, uh, hormonal symptoms of hormonal imbalance, fatigue, generally not very, you know, struggled to keep the quality of my life where it should be. Mm-hmm. And I ended up spending a lot of money, you know, um, over £6,000 having to go private to get the testing um that I needed in order to help myself take charge of the things that were within my control um, for the needs of my body. And things got significantly better. And that's when I started kind of questioning why I went through what I went through, how many more women and men go through conditions, symptoms that are not listened to uh, and are not provided sufficient support and guidance from. And, and I thought, you know, how can I make service, you know, the testing and guidance and support that I receive available to, to everyone without all the obstacles and the huge amount of costs? Mm-hmm. And so here we are with screening. MashaAllah, it's so important what you're doing. It's, it's really... Uh, no, I know that endometriosis is really notorious for being one of those diseases that take a very long time to diagnose. I guess several issues with that. One of them is lack of access to doctors that actually listen to symptoms. So having something, a tool like this is really crucial, mashallah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think so many people suffer in silence. Mm. And we never really think, I mean, when I was at university, I never really thought that it was acceptable to walk into an office, you know, contact someone and say, I've got excruciating period pains. Maybe I need help or maybe I need special consideration. I mean, I had to miss one of my exams because I simply couldn't walk to my exam. And, you know, that that's when, that's as it, that's it, it's worse, really. But it shouldn't really have to be, it should have to get to that point for people to listen or for us to ask for help or do something about it. So, yeah, you know, I mean, endometriosis is one, but I think there are many other conditions and many other hormonal imbalances um, that are often simply brushed, crushed to the side um, when women do visit a GP and say, you know, I don't think, I think something's wrong. I don't think, I don't think things are like they should be. I don't feel good. You know, you're not listened to because although the healthcare system is amazing at what it's, what it does, which is diagnosis most of the time, unless you have endometriosis. <laughs> um, but um, although they are amazing at what they do, uh, they are diagnostic. Uh, so they are a reactive system, not a preventative system, and certainly not one that helps you with the little things that make a huge difference, like your nutrition, um, your lifestyle, um, and so on. Yes, 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 absolutely. I remember when I was growing up, my mother was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and getting the diagnosis was such an ordeal. For my family, because at first it was really hard for her to vocalize 
or to put into words what she was feeling. And she kept like using words to describe it, like her foot was going numb or she get pins and needles all the time and, and people would say it's due to weight or they would say sinusitis and it took a long time before she finally was able to see a neurosurgeon this is in america as well yes and then we got the the diagnosis and alhamdulillah she was able to catch it still relatively early in the course of the disease where it didn't have as many negative effects but that's another one there, there are lots of invisible or diseases that have symptoms that are hard to see hard to describe um but have very serious effects Absolutely, absolutely. And it comes down to, all right, so we've got all this really a pandemic within a, a pandemic, pandemic of diseases that are not recognized, that are diagnosed far too late, and most of which can be prevented if only they had taken action earlier. Mm-hmm. If they had care. And so, so this is when it comes to prevention, which is, which is very, very important. When is the best time to prevent disease? Well, it's before a child is conceived. If you invest in the health of women and men of reproductive age and you create healthier men and women who go on to become pregnant, first of all, they're more likely to get pregnant faster. And secondly, they are going to have healthier children with lower risk of preventable diseases. And that's science. Yes, absolutely. I remember reading a story or a study recently talking about sperm health now compared to a generation or so ago and maybe I, i'm misremembering this so if I, i'm always kind of fuzzy on medical studies so you might jump in to correct me but a lot of it had to do with obesity and how that was affecting the health of the sperm affecting fertility rates overall and of course that has such knock-on effects in childhood health and going up through a lifetime absolutely you know yeah no sperm counts are uh, at their lowest mm. um, in the past few years and there's multiple reasons for that, but majority of them are related to the way we're living, to mm-hmm. the food we're eating, um, our lifestyle, um, the endocrine disruptors, which is like the toxins that we're constantly exposed to. And all of these things, they, they really create massive hormonal issues and hormonal imbalance so that our hormones are unhappy. And that has knock-on effects on our fertility. As women, we know that because we see it on our periods. Yeah. So we have more and more women having irregular periods, missing periods. Um, more women are being diagnosed with PCOS. We know that a lot more women are complaining about vaginal health and, and symptoms of, of the vagina as well. Um, and so when it comes to hormones and our metabolism, really at the, at the heart of it um, is our lifestyle, our diet, and the things that we can really take control of. Yes, absolutely. Even as simple as when the periods start has been getting earlier and earlier. Um, so how does Screen Me help with this? So, you know, Screen Me is a startup we've just started. Now, our vision is is a world free of preventable disease. Um, to start with, we thought the best place to start is by uh, looking at a woman of reproductive age and men of reproductive age. It's usually women that bring on their partners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the women seem to be more, 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 uh, more aware of their health. I can um, imagine this scenario. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so, so we do. So we really, we provide affordable at home testing of hormones, nutrition, health, uh, gut and vaginal health as well. And, and then we provide results, doctors reports, and then consultations with specialist nutritionists and tailored food recipes, uh, lifestyle guidance uh, in order to improve hormonal balance, maximize fertility and help women really take charge of their health. Marshall, that's completely holistic <laughs> yeah you know because we don't want we're not competing with the nhs yeah 
Um, we're not here to uh, medicate people. We do provide testing. And if the testing shows something, you know, if it raises a red flag, then we can accelerate your, your route into the NHS. Um, mm-hmm. So if something is, if we believe that something is medically wrong, that needs the medical attention and medical diagnosis and treatment, you will then be referred to your GP um, who, because you've done your testing, is now in a much better position to set the ball rolling in the right direction. Yeah, that's such a crucial thing uh, because here you can describe your problems to the GP, but unless they're severe enough that your GP would recommend you to uh, be referred to a specialist and you're just stuck waiting. Exactly. And when it comes to fertility, actually... You don't get the testing you need. Mm. You've been trying to conceive and fail to do so for about two years. I mean, we're having children later and later. I mean, women are now, uh, half of women in the UK are having their first child after the age of 30 Mm -hmm. uh, for multiple reasons. But that means that really we may not be in a position where we want to or can wait to be paid attention to or provided testing or given support. So so one side is to facilitate access to testing, whether it be you're concerned about your fertility or you're concerned about conditions like PCOS, endometriosis. And then the other side is the support and guidance that relates to your nutrition, your lifestyle uh, and so on, which the medical community does not help with. And is crucial for healthy fertility, for a healthy conception, and also to take control of conditions like PCOS and endometriosis. Yes, 100%. So, Hala, like I remember there was a medical condition in my family and we were really struggling to to get a referral. We recognized that diet and environment had a large part to play in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you, you start Googling and it's overwhelming all the advice that you get. <laughs> you don't know where to begin. Uh, so having a very clear plan, like if you are suffering from something like this, or you're having these symptoms, try eliminating these foods or getting an air filter or whatever, having that clear guideline, it's really helpful because when you're at that point where you're searching for answers, there's already an emotional distress. You have less mental and emotional capacity to do the research yourself. Absolutely. And, and there's so much out there, you know, when I was told, all right, you know, you have endometriosis, I mean, we can either put you on hormones, we didn't need to surgery at the moment, but you know, other Otherwise, it's you need to just take care of your 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 diet, your lifestyle. Try to reduce inflammation. I was a scientist. I understood science and I understood the human body, and I still struggled. Yeah. You know, kind of navigating that space, um, making those small changes, coming up with a plan. I needed help. And so, I can imagine if if you if you're not a you know if you're not a scientist in you know in human health um, and physiology. You know, where do you even start? And Google is filled with rubbish. <laughs> uh, you know, the amount of things I've heard and been asked and seen, it's, it's crazy. So we really need scientific community, the nutritionist community, the medical community to come together in order to provide people with the guidance, uh, scientific guidance that is also holistic. Absolutely, absolutely. And you were saying as well that you're in so much pain that on some days you couldn't even walk. So how could you possibly put together a wellness plan <laughs> when you're in that state? Exactly. You know, you, 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 anxiety is, is yeah. pretty serious when you're dealing with hormonal imbalance. Uh, the smallest things would make me anxious. You're really not in charge of much and, and you feel like your body is completely out of control. You know, that's exhausting. It's also frightening. And it was life changing for me. Uh, and I, and I, 
and I wanted to make that possible for other women. I really commend you for being in a difficult position yourself and having the energy and the willpower and the ability to take this on and find a solution to benefit other people. Mashallah, it's really important. It's a really admirable thing. Alhamdulillah, you know, I think uh, God has been very much with me. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. So let's talk a little bit about your journey as a founder then. Mm. So what was the timeline? So, you know, it's all the idea of it kind of started while I was still doing my PhD. Right. I was doing my PhD and, um, you know, a PhD in gene therapy for, mm. for different muscular dystrophy. You know, that's when the idea kind of came between myself and my co-founder. We kind of, it was a forum back, forum back. And towards the end of my PhD, um, it was 2019, was when we entered a, a competition at the University of Cambridge where I graduated from, for, you know, is that a weekend kind of entrepreneurial weekend. It was meant to be a fun thing. We thought we'll just do it for fun. We had an idea, <laughs> you know, we thought we'll go and give it a go just, just to see what happens. And we ended up winning um, that competition. And that's when it started, you know, so we won that competition and Suddenly there was interest and we were told, you know, you should join the accelerator program mm -hmm. and, and do something with this. I think, you know, as so many, so many different things, so many hesitations when the opportunity presented itself, I was hesitant. And I think that was one of the things that I look back on and I think I shouldn't have felt that way and I should have done things differently is is that hesitation and that fear. I, I was concerned because I wasn't sure if I'm, you know, my health. I wasn't sure if that was in me. Second thing was finishing my PhD. Then I was a woman. I did, you know, I was a bit concerned. Like, what, as, as a woman founder, do I have good chances of, of success? Can I get investment? Um, and that, <laughs> that was intimidating and a bit, a bit scary. Um, I was meeting with a lot of men who, who at times would shake my co-founder's hand and think that I'm the add-on the plus or, one yeah you know <laughs> she's just there making the coffee uh, <laughs> and that's intimidating you know I mean yeah. my co-founder is absolutely fantastic bless him he is he I don't know if I would be doing this without him he's always been very supportive and he's pushed me into the spotlight and he's mm. been he's been very pro and he says you know your you know your religion your sex should not be holding you back if anything you should be using those cards that you've been given you know it's, it's the time for women um, and it's the time for women uh, of minority. Um, oh, what a great partner. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You know, he's, he's been very supportive in that way. Uh, you know, and so, and so we took those little steps and it's taken us maybe a bit longer because of my hesitations. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if I was to go back, I think I would say, you know, you just have to take the ball by the horns, but it's much easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. And also everything happens you know, according to Allah's timeline. So if, if you had dived in right away maybe something else wouldn't have happened or maybe I agree subhanallah I think you know there is a plan to everything and I, I have faith that um, all of this is, is, is not really um, all within my control absolutely bigger plan yeah so you met you touched on being a Muslim woman in this health space yeah and you mentioned the reaction from the accelerator program but also like maybe culturally or from the community what's sort of been the reaction I think there, you know, it's all there's, I think there's always been a, an element of little surprise or shock whenever I've been on a stage. Okay. Um, uh, and just because there aren't enough of us getting on those stages. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it's, 
it's, it has always been that you always see that people are intrigued, definitely intrigued, definitely curious when it comes to listening to what you have to say. It's all, I think it's been positive and I haven't faced too many negative responses or reactions when it comes to the general, um, general public, when it comes to uh, the academic population, people who are really trying to help and they are supportive. It is different when we're talking about funding and investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so things change at that point. Not as much investment in into w- women founders um, in general. Um, we do have more funding for ma- male founders, and then even less so for hijabi Muslim women founders. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that that is that is an area that needs attention. It needs us to raise awareness. We really need to start supporting each other in the Muslim community I, because it'd be such a big community. You know, I think the best way really forward is, is, is to start within and start supporting each other and putting each other in positions where our voices are heard because there are a few of us do have those positions um, uh, that we can leverage. I think that's, that, that is the challenge is, is to actually get up there, uh, be heard uh, from an investment point of view. Yeah, so Pamela, I'm just I'm reminded of a project that I helped out briefly on uh, called Literacy. It's also a hijabi founder. And the premise of that was is a visual symptom tracker for people who did not speak the same language as their doctor before going to appointments. They'd be able to record their symptoms in a way that is very accessible for people with low literacy or low language skills. And then when they go to the doctor, the doctor has a very clear report of what the symptoms are. It's a very similar kind of space. Uh, she's also identified a lot of the same things you're going through as a founder, just being the only hijabi there, people being surprised that she was there. <laughs> yeah, you're not alone. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I'm not. I'm yeah. sure I'm not. <laughs> yeah, so you know, you have to take it um, lightly to be able to survive in a kind of um, say what. So you kind of have to just not take it too personally and think, there's some things that need to change uh, and we can change them. And we definitely should be out there encouraging younger Muslim girls um, to, to you know, aspire to reach high and make sure they know it's possible. Yes, absolutely. It starts with the mindset, doesn't it? Because now we have... Now we have so many tools to make it easy to prototype, to make it faster to have a proof of concept, but you still need the courage and, and the guts to get up there and present your idea and to take ownership of it. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I think minority communities, the issue actually starts very young in school. And that's a kind of mindset of, I am not going to be given the same privilege. I'm not going to be given the same opportunities um, or that I will be stopped in, in achieving um, what I need to or what I want to. And that's what we need to break. Uh, it's, it's very important to break those cycles very early on. Yeah, yeah. It's it's also, in speaking as a parent, it's an interesting balance, though, because you want your child to be prepared to have to fight, but mm-hmm. you don't want them to, to give up before they even start. So you, know, is... <laughs> you know what? I think it's actually, you know, I... Don't think anyone told me I was going to fight. Okay. <laughs> so I think it's actually, <laughs> I was definitely not ready for a fight. Yeah. Um, I think if we instill confidence in, in our children and we instill hope in our children, then when the day comes that they might have to fight, I think they will do it without knowing. You know, I think actually preparing children to fight may make them a bit biased. 
and and they may be expecting a fight which may make life a bit more difficult when you're getting there because who wants to fight i mean no one wants to struggle no one wants no one wants resistance if there's an easier way out one will take the easier way out so really i think it's about making sure that that women especially the muslim community know that there, it is possible there's so many opportunities and that they have it in them they just need to reach for it and work for it and the obstacles that they encounter they will overcome yeah as you were saying that i to clarify what i was saying i didn't mean to be confrontational to go out looking for something but to recognize and identify their own boundaries and what they're willing to accept oh, and yeah. what they're not and not giving into that absolutely absolutely yeah. absolutely true it's there's so much pressure even when you as as a, an academic now business person entrepreneur you know in the uk that environment is not always muslim friendly yes definitely um and um, and <laughs> and so i can see that there might might be difficult to keep your boundaries and be who you are while staying in that environment Yes. And I think you're right. It does require resistance and it does require persistence, but we must do it. I feel like when, when, when you respect your own boundaries and people witness you doing that, then it becomes less strange the next time it has to happen. Absolutely. (laughs) When you you say no thank you to the Christmas party or to getting alcohol for the office Christmas present. And then next time it's not such a big deal then. No, it's always, you know, about, you know, I've, we've, I've had when I've, I've been gifted alcohol, a prize was, was alcohol. And I mm. would, you know, I would never, I, I'd just be like, thank you very much. I don't drink, but I'm sure this person will appreciate it. That's what we have to do. So the next time they want to gift me, um, they don't give me alcohol. Well, we've done that. And then the next time they sent around a gift, they gave us this beautiful box of chocolates and we were so excited for it. Exactly. And then we opened it and they're all alcohol. Well, alcohol. But yeah, it's one, one step at a time, right? <laughs> yes. we, we're educating one step at a time. That's right. That's right. SubhanAllah. <laughs> I mean, the other thing, Grace, is also being a hijabi Muslim woman in the fertility scene. Yeah. You know, I think that's also very important. I think talking about the Muslim community and, and, and Muslim women, um, there's also a matter of sexual health and fertility health, something that's not often spoken about, something that is a bit of a taboo, hmm. something that we should, we, we really do need to get, get ahead of. There is, there is a sense of, you know, there are obviously more Muslim women who are not sexually active before being married. Mm-hmm. There is a lot that needs to, a lot of education that needs to happen in that area and a lot of false beliefs that need to be broken. This is a really, really important point because those things are very deeply ingrained. Those taboos are very deep. Uh, and especially with sexual health, fertility, it's so awkward <laughs> to even open that conversation. Well, it can be. Mm, I think so too. Well, yes, it can be awkward. And that's why. Um, That's what we need to change. Normalize yeah. these conversations. You no, know, whenever I've, whenever I've had to have, it's actually more awkward when you're having these conversations with, you know, not so much the younger population. Oh, the aunties. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's the harder part. It's, is, is kind of talking to the parents about. Uh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. inwardly cringing so much at the idea of having a talk like that with my mother. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's, it's it's hard. It's hard to yeah. talk about cervical, uh, you know, tests or 
you know your, your cervical um samples that you need to be doing if, if you're you know if you're 30 and even if you're not sexually active past the, the age of 30 really everyone should yeah. be having cervical screening done of course um and we have a massive population of single muslim women who are not having cervical screening done because of a certain cultural and um, beliefs and taboos uh, around around the virginity um, yeah. and how we go about that. So it's, it's, it's a very complicated scene, uh, one that does need to be tackled. Um, we do need to talk about the fact that actually you can get information about your fertility uh, to have a timeline. You know, you can find out you know, what, what your egg reserves look like. Um, you can find out what your ovulation is like. You can actually invest in your nutrition lifestyle to improve your hormonal health and your egg quality, which means that you will have a, a, a better fertility kind of journey, even if you do get married a bit later. Uh-huh. Um, we shouldn't be putting pressure on our women or on our girls to uh, get married and have children because it's going to get too late. And that, yes. that's something that really needs to be spoken about also. Just because you got married after 25, it doesn't mean that all your eggs are just worthless. Are going to disappear overnight. You know, even 30, 35, you're not going to wake up in the morning and your eggs are going to be, you know, gone. But yeah, no, I get it. It's tough because there are some families or many families who are hiding periods from their brothers and fathers. <laughs> if you're coming from that where you can't even openly talk about something that is Absolutely. a monthly event, <laughs> going to a cervical screening is a big step. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, you know, how many of us lie about being on our period? Uh, <laughs> or pretend to pray because we don't want them to know we're not praying. <laughs> oh, yeah, or do you know, it's Ramadan, so eat in the closet so that yes, no one sees exactly, you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly that. So I think being a hijabi Muslim woman and talking about fertility health, um, opening these topics, talking about vaginal health, the microbiome field is very new, you know, the bacteria that lives yeah. in your vagina, that lives in your gut which is very important to your health. These things are missing for women and especially for Muslim women. Absolutely. I'm wondering, have you tried partnering with religious or cultural organizations? I have not yet, but I'm very open to it. So if anyone is no interested, <laughs> yeah, if anyone is interested or knows of an organization that you, you know that they think would be useful, very open to organizing talks, workshops um uh, and so on so so very very open to it um and looking actively looking so do get in touch with me if you do if you do know of any or or yourself own one or are interested mm, mashallah can't wait to see what happens from that that would be really that would be really good imagine going yeah, to a talk that's about you know the rights of women and partnering with screamy talking about your fertility health that would be fantastic absolutely absolutely you know it would be it would be fascinating i'm sure some people would get upset but um but we're going to need to do it for the good of our children really definitely so what is next for screamy because mashallah you're doing so much and like you said you're very early on so what's kind of next thing you're doing what, what are you hoping to achieve you know, we've up until this point, we've been creating everything. So creating our uh, platform, uh, mm-hmm. our dashboard where people get their results, the reports, the tailored nutrition recipes and patients, and also creating our kits that allow you to take your samples from home. And now we're, you know, we, we've had uh, our first kind of set of customers. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so, you know, we've got around 200 customers. Um, uh, we've got babies born, we've got pregnant babies. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, we've got uh, ladies with PCOS and endometriosis. Um, uh, so, you know, we've, we've kind of gone through it all. 
Um, and we're at a point where we also get involved with organizations, like you said, like cultural organizations, health organizations, religious organizations, in order to bring in fertility and hormonal health into those environments. Fantastic. Mashallah. Well, I had so much fun talking with you today. This has been a really, really great conversation. No, I've, it's been really good to be here. It's the first time that I've been on a Muslim kind of uh, podcast and talk, and it's great to be able to actually talk about all these topics specifically in that community. Uh, before we wrap up, there are two questions that I ask everybody. Uh, we've already sort of talked about your regrets. What do you, what's your greatest accomplishment? What do you take the most pride in? I must say, I think persevering. I think I am quite proud, even though I don't think I express it to myself even often, is um, I, I am quite proud of creating what we've created um, and being able to help um, so, so many people. I think getting those messages sometimes um, and you know, knowing that you've made a difference, um, someone's life, whether it be from, you know, the tiniest thing of thank you so much, I feel so much better. Or when you receive a little baby scan, uh, I think, I think I'm just proud of being able to, obviously with the help of everyone around me and, and first and foremost, God, being able to play a little part in, in, in other people's life. So Paula, I'd say it's more than a little part. And I also think give yourself credit for persisting through those difficulties that you mentioned at the beginning of your journey yeah. and the things that are making you hesitate. So being one of the only women in this space um, and doing this despite your own pain and physical symptoms. Yeah, Marshall, that's a lot of persistence. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, absolutely. I think Alhamdulillah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to, to kind of admit that, um, you know, I do, I do struggle with anxiety. Mm. Um, you struggle with a struggle with pain, but um, I am proud that I've somehow um, <laughs> have been fighting through it. Mashallah, mashallah. It, it it's like I said, it's a big credit to you um, and your character, mashallah. And the uh, last question: So, what mm -hmm. is something or someone that you are most grateful for? You know, it's gonna sound cliche, mm. um, <laughs> but I don't want to. Um, not say it just for the sake of not being cliche. Um, uh, <laughs> so, so I just have to be very brutally honest, which is obviously first and foremost, God, um, for everything that, that I've been blessed with. But, and next is, is for my parents. Um, I, I am completely speechless when it comes to saying how grateful I am for having their support and their help um, and for the opportunities that they have consistently provided for me to get me to where I am today. It would have been impossible without my, my father's guidance and, and wisdom. And, you know, he's a successful businessman who's been supporting me at every turn um, and without my mum's constant care and prayers. Marshall, that's not cliche at all. That's very <laughs> genuine. <laughs> Yes, I mean, I, you kind of know, it's, I know people sometimes, you know, obviously my parents, but, but on very, very honestly and genuinely, it would, um, that, you know, I, I am grateful, um, for being the person I am today and I wouldn't have been without them. Mashallah. Beautiful. Um, and is there anything else that you'd like to add or anything that we didn't yeah. cover? Um, no, obviously, you know, um, I am here, uh, for anyone who may, uh, have any questions. Or need help or want guidance, um, you can contact me either through Instagram on screen me underscore help, um, where we have lots of 
information and, and lives, etc. Um, but you can just message me over there. I will receive them directly. Or if you just head to our website, screaming.co.uk and send it send a message to the contact us form i receive those emails directly also um so please do get in touch if if you want to partner up for something exciting and fun or if you need any help or are interested oh that sounds so great mashallah thank you again so much for doing this and for having this great talk thank you for having me it's been absolutely wonderful i hope you like that story as much as i did Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to it. Please consider following us and leaving a review if you like this episode. That really helps us a lot. And if you're a Muslim woman in tech, please go ahead and join our community. It's free. It's fun. It's supportive. It's a great time. That's all for me. Assalamu alaikum. Mm-hmm.